Hey, hey, hey. Uh, continuing with chapter 12 today. Last chapter was chapter 11. It was called uh, Love Thy Neighbor. This episode, we're reading chapter 12. It's called Seriously, Love Thy Neighbor and Stop the Divisiveness. On August 6, 1945, the first atomic bomb used in combat was dropped by the United States on Hiroshima, killing an estimated 90,000 to 145,000 Japanese, most of which were civilians. On August 9, 1945, President Harry S. Truman ordered the dropping of the second atomic bomb on Nagasaki, killing another 40,000 to 80,000 Japanese instantly, who were also mostly civilians. President Harry S. Truman is the only world leader in history to order the use of such a devastating weapon in combat against an enemy. And sadly, most casualties were, again, civilians. The damage and residual radiation have caused devastation, mutations, sickness, and death. By any measure, the two atomic bombs were the worst, most destructive weapons ever used in human history. President Harry S. Truman, the man who ordered the dropping of the single most destructive bombs in human history on Japanese civilians, given the circumstances, he made the right decision. Now, I'm going to pause the book here for a second because that is quite the introduction. Scandalous. Ooh. Um, welcome back to Stoicism for a Better Life. If you just happen to be hopping on this episode, uh, oof. Don't, you know, out of context, that one intro sounds very harsh. Uh, in context, we're talking about Your User's Manual, which is a book on finding tranquility and um, happiness, living an anxiety-free life in today's modern world, heavily inspired by Stoicism. And uh, I'm hammering home the idea of loving one another. Last chapter was loving one another by realizing how unique of a gift this moment in space-time is. And if we happen to be in the space with other human beings, wow, really special gift. This one, well, I'll let you see where it's going. So let's get back to the book, shall we? Throughout the course of World War II, the Allies continuously bombed Nazi-occupied Europe, strategically targeting key facilities of the war machine. However, the Allies knew that at some point, they would have to inevitably put soldiers, tanks, and artillery on the ground to defeat Adolf Hitler's Nazi Germany. On June 6, 1944, the Allied troops landed on the beaches of Normandy. D-Day was the beginning of the end for Adolf Hitler and his Nazis. The Allies, from the landing site on the west and Stalin's Red Army from the border with Russia on the east, slowly descended on Berlin. On May 1, 1945, the Nazis were defeated and the Americans then turned their uh, undivided attention to the war in the Pacific with the Japanese Empire, which was still ongoing. The strategy in the Pacific was pretty much the same as it was in Europe. Bomb runs with long-range bombers to cripple the war machine, then land forces near and on the main island of the enemy to finish off the empire. The first landing operation was codenamed Operation Olympic and was scheduled for November 1st, 1945. The Japanese knew the Americans would try landing on the main island and march on Tokyo. Although the Japanese War Council did not know exactly when this assault would be, 
they commenced preparation for their ultimate stand to defend the homeland and the empire. Their operation was codenamed Ketsugo. If you've never heard of this, look it up. It's crazy stuff. As part of Ketsugo, kamikaze suicide planes, kamikaze suicide submarines, and manned suicide torpedoes were stashed along the coastline where the Americans were suspected to land. Let me give you a quick footnote on that here. After the Japanese surrendered and ensuing peace took over, the Americans would discover that the Japanese Imperial Army very accurately predicted where the American troops would land. Had Operation Olympic and Ketsugo gone through, it surely would have made for a scene far bloodier than D-Day. That's important to know. All right, back to the book. I'm going to make sense out of all of this right now. There's a lot, lot being said. Let's tie it all together. As part of Ketsugo, Japanese citizens were given instructions and in some cases training on how to fight American soldiers with household items and farming equipment. Each and every soldier and citizen was ready to fight to the bitter end and were ready to give their lives to defend the emperor and the empire. President Truman knew there would be no surrender on the part of the Japanese as they would quite literally rather die in fighting in battle than surrender to the enemy for the former was seen as more honorable. His generals estimated that the campaign to conquer Japan with boots on the ground would cause 1.7 million to 4 million casualties, including 800,000 deaths on the American side. On the American side, of course, it would have been all soldiers. On the Japanese, mostly civilians. They further estimated 5 to 10 million Japanese deaths that would be composed of soldiers and civilians. The number of human lives on the line was absolutely staggering. President Truman was also aware of a new weapon in the U.S. arsenal that was so devastating, so violent, that it just might actually get the Japanese to surrender and avoid the massacre to come. After the second bomb was dropped, the emperor could not let his subjects suffer anymore. The Japanese empire surrendered, avoiding the massacre of Operation Olympic and Ketsugo, and the ensuing ground invasion altogether was avoided, therefore saving more than 10 million lives. When President Truman ordered the deadliest and most violent bomb in human history to be dropped on unsuspecting civilians in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, he was kind of doing the right thing in trying to save millions of lives. When given the option of executing 200,000 civilians to save the lives of more than 10 million human beings, a rational and logical person would most assuredly choose the lesser number of victims and therefore agree with the execution. This logic cannot be denied. However, let the gravity of this moment in very recent history sink in for a moment. This is where you live. You live in a world where the inhumane massacre of hundreds of thousands of defenseless civilians is not only justifiable, but sometimes actually the right thing to do? Take a moment. Take a deep breath. Close your eyes and let the gravity of that situation, that dark situation, sink in. And remember, this was only 80 years ago. There simply is no justifiable reason to hurt any living being, let alone take a life. 
The world will tell you to divide and segregate, but this is wrong and hateful. Does divisiveness inspire tranquility? Does hate bring peace to your heart? Three billion heartbeats. Tick tock. How do you want to live the rest of your life? There is no good reason for divisiveness, and it is time we end it. Of course, you cannot go out there and end all the divisiveness in the world, but you can change your divisiveness. Separating people into groups based on nations, borders, religion, class, race, sex, etc. The list goes on and on and on. These are all forms of divisiveness. Any qualifier that creates a we versus the rest scenario is wrong and hateful. You must never use any difference to segregate and divide. Note that you are not ignoring the differences between race, culture, sex, etc. The differences are there and unique and beautiful to each group. However, you must see all 7.6 billion of us as a collective we. We. We human beings. We are cosmopolitans, citizens of the planet Earth. Love everyone as equally as you love yourself. Why should your needs or your life be any more important than any other sentient being? Look up. Look at the blue sky and clouds and remind yourself that it is an extremely thin sheet of air extending from you on the ground to the edge of space. The earth is huge, right? Well, not really. Only 12,742 kilometers in diameter. If you drove straight through the planet to the other side at 100 kilometers an hour, it wouldn't take much more than five days to get there. At first thought, that may seem large, However, consider that all 7.6 billion of us live on this rock. There is nowhere else to go. In the vast universe that we have observed, all we have is this tiny rocky planet that is hurtling through space. Beyond that uncomfortably thin layer of atmosphere above your head, which is only 0.75% of the diameter of the already diminutive Earth, is sheer, utter, unavoidable darkness. The vacuum of space is cold, uninhabitable, dark, and unwelcoming. You have nowhere else to go. In the cosmic scale, planet Earth is tiny, and you are marooned to it. On December 7th, 1972, the crew of the Apollo 17 spacecraft took the iconic picture known as the Blue Marble above. I can't see it above, but let me see if I can hold it to the camera here. If not... Check it out. I'll put it on my Patreon page. Uh, ba -ba 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 -ba. Yes, the blue marble. Look at it. Look at that thin atmosphere, visible as the thin layer floating around the globe. It's tiny. Now look up at the sky and truly absorb and embrace the fear, fragility, and small scale of this rocky planet we live on. Look carefully at the picture and notice the background and surroundings. It's black dark, uninhabitable. This little rocky planet is all we have. It is the only thing all 7.6 billion of us have to live our brief lives on. Remind yourself daily, planet Earth is small with no borders. We are all, we are one. See the world objectively and see all 7.6 billion as one. As brothers and sisters, as friends, we live together. So let us begin to truly live together and not despite one another.
Wow, I love those two chapters. There you go, my friends. Uh, another episode for you. I look forward to releasing these and getting the questions and answering them. And I also look forward to hopefully meeting a few more of you this year. I had the great pleasure of meeting a few of you last year. I didn't get to go far with my road trip. Uh, no more than an hour or two drive away from home. But we'll see if we can expand this this year. One thing at a time. All right, you guys. You have a good one. I want to take more of your time. Peace, love, cheering for you. Cheer for everybody else. Bye, brothers and sisters.